All right, what's going on, everybody? Uh, thanks for coming back for episode one of Authors on a Podcast Talking Books. Today, I've got Michael Fletcher. Uh, Michael is a science fiction and fantasy author, a grilled cheese aficionado, and a whiskey swilling reprobate. This is all per his blurbs, you guys. But uh, he spends his days choreographing his sport his Fortlift musical titled Get Fort and using caffeine as a substitute for sanity. Any suggestions that he is actually Dirk Ashton in disguise are all lies. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Michael Fletcher. Hey, hey, hey. Good to be here. How are you doing, man? Ah, doing pretty good, man. I just uh, just got home from work. I'm just trying to trying to chill, trying to make sure my dogs don't bark during the recording. So, <laughs> how about yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Same. Uh, just home from work. Snarfed down some dinner and got the door closed because the kids downstairs watching TV and stuff and probably not doing our homework. You know, <laughs> the usual. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, I uh, I know I'll be uh, looking forward to those kind of days uh, here here pretty soon. So about to push in thirty. So I guess it's about time to have kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so man, I just wanted to uh, just to first. I don't want to get straight into book stuff because you know we could talk about that forever, but. I just want to know a little bit about you, um, you know, a little bit about your, I guess, your personal life, um, kind of what you do outside of writing, because, you know, there aren't many authors. Uh, wait, that are, hold on. Whoa. I'm supposed to do stuff outside. <laughs> what, what is outside of writing? I know, because writing is supposed it's, to be 24-7, right? It is. It is. <laughs> okay. It's, total, it's totally not. About to say, because uh, I know uh, there's only probably about, what, 5% of writers that can actually say that they're full-time writers and don't have a day job. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I'm definitely not one of those 5%. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, outside of here, uh, outside of writing, um, I, uh, I'm mostly, I, I work as a freelance ninja. Um, I, you know, hits for hire. I, I basically kill anyone for a couple of bucks and a donut. Um, I do apologize afterwards because I'm Canadian and we have to do that. Uh, and I actually, I, I don't have a sword because those are illegal and I have to use a hockey stick, but <clears throat> still my rate is, a uh, it's very reasonable. So, you know, if you got someone you don't like and you want them sort of like mildly whiffled with a uh, hockey stick, I'm your dude. There you go. Get this guy a freaking puppers. <laughs> I don't know if you watch Letterkenny at all. It's something I've I've recently gotten into, and I know uh, a couple of a couple of co bloggers that, that I know, like uh, like Holly Grimjag, and she's she's all about it. So, yeah, I actually, um, I kind of don't watch TV anymore. Like writing has basically taken over my free time, um, which is probably bad. But I, <laughs> I, I've hit the point where. If I start doing something in my free time other than writing, I get sort of twitchy and there's that little voice going, you should be writing. What are you doing? Stop fucking around. Write. <laughs> and so, I, you know, TV is sort of like falling by the wayside. I don't have time for that shit, man. <laughs> I'm all it. serious, yo. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I mean, obviously you're on, uh, you're on social media a pretty good bit because, because uh, we, we've been, you know, chatting here for what seems like forever. I mean, I know it's been a couple of years, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's never, never a dull moment. I know when we have a conversation or when you have a post, so uh, it's, it's always, it's always something to laugh about. I know uh, you and you and Jonathan Wood are probably the, the ones who lighten up my day a little bit with your posts because uh, there's always at least a chuckle, if not a belly laugh, going on. So. Well, hopefully. I mean, the uh, you know the goal is to sort of entertain not only myself but um, you know the masses. 
<laughs> Both of you. Right, right. <laughs> all, all, all couple of people. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, Timmy, what, what got you into deciding to write? Not really into writing itself, but like, did you, you know, were you in school and you're like, man, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at this writing thing. Or did you <laughs> just decide one day you're like, you don't really like fantasy. I want to do something about that. So. Yeah. So uh, school for me was a bit of a, a bit of an abortion. Like I, uh, I went to university for a, to do a philosophy degree and uh, I basically spent two years drunk, stoned and tripping balls on acid. And uh, before I sort of gave up and dropped out. Um, I, after that, I worked as a, an audio engineer doing sound for bands and stuff. And I, Back in the 90s, I had this, I, I was like, I'm going to be a science fiction writer. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and I, I tried to write a book and it was really fucking hard. So I gave up because, you know, difficult things aren't really my style. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and it, but it always, that idea, that desire to sort of be a writer was always there and always sort of bugging me um, that, I, that I never actually managed to like, you know, sort of like finish a book. Or, you know, I, back in the nineties, I wrote a couple of short stories, but I never did anything with them, never sent them anywhere and never let anyone read them. Uh, and then I think like 2008, uh, I just got this crazy idea. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to finish a book. I don't care. And, uh, that sort of decision, I just sat my ass in a chair. Well, you know, for about a year and a half, um, <laughs> and, uh, and wrote my first book and, uh, it was, it was terrible. It was so bad. I mean, I mean, aren't they always, you know, it's, it's not <laughs> like you can sit down for a day and, you know, type out a 40,000 word story and just be like, all right, I'm done. This is the best thing I've ever written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, like, uh, you know, after, I, after writing it, I was like, this is genius. This is a work of just on nobody's ever read anything this good before and then like every publisher on the planet was like no please please don't call us again <laughs> every agent on the planet was like no dude no um and i just i, I found this um one like canadian micro press and it was it's kind of funny they were like okay your book is abysmal it needs so much work but they're like, there is something there. You've got something. There's like, we see what you can do. You just need to be taught not to suck. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um, and so the editor worked with me uh, for months. And I basically, I ended up rewriting the entire book like two or three times uh, before they were kind of like, there you go. Now this is good. And uh, they they published my first book. Now that took, you know, five years kind of thing. Right. But uh, that once I had that first book out, I was just hooked, just a junkie for it. Now, what was that first book? So the first book was called 88. Uh, it later became Ghosts of Tomorrow. Um, the rights uh, reverted to me. Um, the publisher, there are Five Rivers, uh, five, River, five Rivers Publishing. Uh, awesome folks. Uh, basically, I had this idea I wanted to... I wanted to do a new cover. I wanted to write a couple of new scenes and sort of tweak a couple of things uh, and ask, ask them to revert the rights. And they, uh, they did so like no arguing. They were just like, yeah, okay. Hey, and, uh, and so I self-published it, um, you know, as ghosts of tomorrow. 
Okay. Yeah, and uh, and I'm very familiar with Ghost of Tomorrow's, having uh, having beta read it for you and written uh, written a review up before it before it came out. And it's a uh, it's a fantastic novel. It's uh, balls to the wall crazy, but uh, you know, and it was uh, what what you what you termed as your attempt at YA, um, <laughs> which which we all know uh, at this point in time, all of your fiction is adult. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't write for a sort of a younger audience. It just it's not in me to tone things down. I just, I need to, I need to go where the story wants me to go. And, you know, if that involves like a, you know, things getting a little dark then so be it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with things getting a little dark, you know? Uh, and, and honestly, even today's YA, uh, whatever they consider young adult is, uh, it's very, it's a very gray area. Um, you know, I, I, I see a lot of people saying that, you know, Red Rising uh, by Pierce Brown or uh, The Poppy War, uh, you know, is YA. And I'm like, uh, are we reading the same stuff, you guys? Like, this stuff is pretty deep and pretty dark and almost depressing in a way. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I know uh, – not not to say that young adults can't be depressed, but, uh, I mean, this gets into some, like, <laughs> that's, a really that's adult content. <laughs> yeah, I, I, right? <laughs> I was never anything but depressed when I was a young adult. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, so um, – Obviously, like I said, we've known each other for, for a good little while. Um, I, I met you after reading, well, I say met you, met you via social media on Facebook uh, after reading your uh, your first published novel uh, by Harper, which was Beyond Redemption. Um, tell me a little bit about your, uh, not your process getting published with them, but I mean, did you did you write Beyond Redemption right after eighty eight got published, or was that something just down the road? You decided to divert from science fiction into fantasy, or how, how did that happen? Uh, so okay, so I wrote the first draft of eighty eight, uh, like two thousand eight. I finished it, I think, early two thousand nine. Um, pretty much right away, uh, I started writing Beyond Redemption in two thousand nine. Uh, eighty eight hadn't been published. Uh, it, First got published in 2013. Um, so by the time uh, that was published, I think I had a first draft for Beyond Redemption. Um, but what happened is during the uh, the sort of rewriting and editing process of 88, I kind of learned how to write at least a little bit in there. And um, I sort of reread Beyond Redemption, you know, what I had at the time. And I was like, ah, I see what they're saying. I kind of, I was able to take all those lessons I learned fixing 88 and then apply it to beyond redemption. So then I spent, I don't know, like another year, uh, sort of rewriting beyond redemption. Um, and then, you know, 2014, uh, that sold to, uh, to Harper Voyager. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and I know, uh, Obviously, you ended up writing the Mirror's Truth, which is the sequel, and then uh, Swarm and Steel, which uh, Mirror's Truth you did self-published, and then Swarm and Steel you did through Saga, correct? Uh, no, Swarm and Steel was uh, oh crap, what are they called? Uh, t- t- Talos. Talos. Oh, that's right, Talos. Talos. That's right. Uh, it's like Skyhorse, basically. That's right. That's right, Talos. Um, so was it? You know, when you were contract or when Harper brought you on to do Beyond Redemption, did they ever have a sequel in mind or were they just kind of like a wait and see approach? Yeah. So uh, the Beyond Redemption was was sold as a standalone novel. Um, and it, it was always my intent for there to be more. Mm-hmm. 
um, but they weren't they weren't interested in a in a trilogy at that point. Um, they weren't saying no, it won't be, but uh, you know they were they were buying it as a standalone, uh, which was funny because I actually had a second offer from another publisher for it, um, who who offered me a who offered a trilogy deal like all for three books. Oh wow! And um, I turned them down because there were two reasons. One, the money for one book was slightly better with Harper Voyager. But that really wasn't sort of like the main deciding factor. What it, what it really was, um, was Harper's just, it's big five. Right. And I was like, you know what? It's a gamble, but I'm going to risk. I'm going to take the chance that this book is going to do well enough that they're going to want more. And then, you know, I will be sort of like, uh, I'll have a trilogy deal with a, a big five publisher. Right. Raw. <laughs> So wrong. It's unfortunately wrong because I mean, and, and I've told you multiple times, and I try to tell everybody I come across like Beyond Redemption in my eyes is like a perfect grim dark fantasy novel. Um, <laughs> it is, it is like it is my top read from the past like five years since I got back into reading. Um, it's what got me reading grim dark fiction. It's what got me reading Mark Lawrence, even though as you know, Mark Lawrence is a huge deal in fantasy, but. You know, it, it was kind of like my gateway drug into Grim and Grimdark fantasy, and it's one I always come back to whenever somebody asks for a recommendation. Um, and it, it's kind of weird how Harper wanted it as a standalone, considering you can't turn to another book nowadays without seeing book one of three or a five or of seven, and it's just it it's kind of a weird approach, I guess, that they took. But I mean. I mean, it makes sense if, you know, you've got a, a, a debut and you kind of want to see where it goes. Yeah. And I mean, and fair enough. I mean, like you, you got to look at the numbers, you know, the sales numbers and they made the right call. They like It didn't sell enough that to them it was worth sort of doing a sequel. Right. You know, the investment time, you know, all that stuff, um, which which is funny because I'd already written the sequel, thinking like, oh fuck yeah, I'm a shoe in because uh, <laughs> the reviews for Beyond Redemption, the critical reviews were amazing. Like, you know, uh, uh, book list, Publishers Weekly, like it got amazing reviews. Yeah, uh, it just it didn't sell. Yeah, and you know, uh, for me, I, I only self published it because I was like, yeah, fuck it, I already wrote the damn thing. Like, I might as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I was kind of kind of surprised when that actually worked. <laughs> and I mean, in the mirror's truth was a fantastic follow up. I mean, it's not, you know, it, it's it, it's funny because when self publishing was really kind of getting off the ground with you know Hugh Howey kind of I guess leading the charge, um, everybody kind of looked at self publishing. Besides him and Andy Weirs of of the self publishing world, they kind of saw it as oh, well, they didn't get published, so it's not really good. Well, I mean, you know, nowadays it's hard to really compare, you know, self-publishing to, to traditional because, like, the the content is fantastic either side. And I know, uh, is it Hayu Greg over on uh, the Fantasy End wrote a huge post today on self-publishing and traditional publishing, kind of like comparing them uh, side by side. And I know yeah. several, several, uh, indie writers uh, kind of had a hand in, in finishing up, which I haven't read it yet. Cause it's just said agam long, but um, you know, it's just kind of gotten to the point where, you know, indie indie selling just as well as 
as traditional. They're just not getting, you know, the big contracts like your James Rollins or Brian Anderson got with tour uh, for his new series. But, um, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like the numbers are still fairly there as far as, you know, purchases and stuff, at least for a majority of writers. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it it's hard. Like I, I see, and you know, I have to be honest with myself. Like I, I am crap at self-promoting. Um, if, if Harper Voyager hadn't sold my first book, hadn't published my first book, um, I never would have had any success as a self-published author. Like basically my first self-published book was the sequel to a, to a big five book. And you know, what is crap sales for Harper Voyager is amazing sales for, for some schlep who like, I mean, I didn't even know how to self-publish. I'm like, how do I do this? I think I'm like Googling KDP and Amazon publishing. I'm like, fuck, I don't know how to do this. You know, it seemed like this almost it was, it seemed too difficult. It wasn't, it's really not that hard. They set it up really well. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was daunting. Uh, but seriously, as I was saying, if, had I not had that first book with Harper Voyager, um, no one would have heard of me. No one would have bought my books. I gotcha. Yeah. And I, I, I hear that a lot about the, uh, you know, not very good at promoting oneself. Uh, even, even some traditionally published, uh, published authors I've, I've spoken to, they've said that, uh, you know, I, you know, I'd like to see more book sales, but I just, I find it hard to put myself out there to, to push my own book. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I always wonder like why that is, is it just, uh, Oh, that's just what authors do, or is it just a mindset or, you know, do, you know, would it just be better to come from somebody else's mouth that's read it, uh, kind of like a blogger like myself or, you know, the thousands of other book bloggers that are out there or, you know, what's the, what's the remedy, I guess, yeah, for getting I, it out there. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, for sure. Word of mouth is, is the biggest sort of, um, you know, promotion that the self pub crowd can get. I mean, if, if the right couple of people sort of latch onto your book and start talking about it, you notice a bump in sales. Mm -hmm. um, uh, actually, we were talking about Mark Lawrence earlier. I was chatting with him about uh, self-promotion and stuff. And he was like, yeah, you don't, don't self-promote. Um, he's like, just interact with people. Mm -hmm. Just chat with other people who like the same stuff you like. That's all you're doing. Don't worry about self-promoting. Just be there and chat. And so I kind of, I took that to heart. And I think, I think that's helped. You know, I mean, yeah, every now and then I will like throw up a tweet or a Facebook post, which is buy my fucking books, damn it. <laughs> but basically most of the time I'm just, I just ramble on about whatever insane shit's on my mind or ask questions where I'm like, hey, I wonder what people think about this shit. Uh, but he, I think he had the right of it. It's, you know, it's self-promotion is less about promotion and more about sort of, uh, you know, putting your name, you know, in people's brains. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, I see that in myself as well, because uh, I actually started residential real estate a few years ago and I went into it full time. And that's like the first thing I tell you is you have to tell everybody that you're a real estate agent as many times as possible to ingrain it in their brain so that when they think house, they think David Walters. Um, and honestly, that is, it's super hard to do. Like, I don't know if people realize, you know, it, you don't want to come off as annoying, but at the same time, you're like, somebody has got to, you know, think of me at some point. 
uh, <laughs> and, 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 and in a good way, not in a bad way. Um, mm. and, and I feel like that's kind of the same way with, you know, self-promoting anything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just all about, uh, you know, community and talking to people and getting kind of like, not really on our good side, but, you know, becoming, having a relationship there where you can just continue to feed it with good information or good recommendations or something to what at some point they'll go, yeah, that guy, you know, um, because, you know, everybody, you know, not really, I guess in publishing, but everybody in the real estate already knows like five realtors. So it's impossible to be number one. (laughs) You're, you're usually number five. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so, uh, I want to know, um, we talked about how you got into writing, uh, how you decided to write, what gave you the, I guess, idea for beyond redemption or I, the, you know, what was your, um, well, I can't even think right now, uh, what or who or whatever got you into writing fantasy? Like, is there, is there an author that you read that was like, I want to write fantasy or was it just a thought in your head that you just went with? Uh, I think grade nine, I uh, joined the uh, role-playing club in high school uh, and then, and you know, just fell in love with role-playing. Uh, and I was always, and because I'm like a bit of a control freak, um, I was always the GM. Uh, and because I have the attention span of an alcoholic gnat, uh, I could never run modules. Um, like I couldn't buy a module and then like, GM that. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, the stories were crap. Uh, so, so I always, uh, I was always the GM, and I always made my own campaigns. I did all my own world building, built my own plots and storylines and stuff. Um, and so, you know, I did that for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that, I think that's probably like my first practice writing is is just building, you know, campaigns and storylines for. For, for role-playing games okay. um that and you know i read a ton of fantasy so i mean to me science fiction and fantasy were always kind of they were one thing mm-hmm. you know I, I never really thought of them as separate right so I, you know it's not like i was like oh i want to be a science fiction writer or i want to be a fantasy writer no, i want to write science fiction and fantasy right exactly you you want to you want to you want to write something that kind of appeals to everybody uh, hey, I, mean, I, I didn't really give a fuck about that anymore. I just <laughs> I want to tell cool stories. I, yeah. I want to be happy with what with the story. Like right. I, you know, I get an idea for a story, um, and you know, hopefully it's something a little different. But I, I want to tell you know something. I want to do something interesting. Yeah. Well, with your whole D and D writing, you know, you, you sound like your uh, your other moniker, your Michael R R Fletcher. Sound a little, little <laughs> like Martin there. Uh, <laughs> which I guess, you know, honestly, I feel like a lot of fantasy writers, you know, it kind of had to start in D and D, which D and D was far and away from whatever I did. I've, I've never played a single minute of D and D. Um, I, you know, my growing up was Nintendo and Zelda. That was about it, but I never really got, I guess, the itch to write. And that's probably why I didn't ever write a storyline for a D and D game. So I didn't really have a, a, a chance to, to scratch that itch. So, mm. um, and man, I, I have tried a couple of times to start a book and I'm very OCD. So the first sentence has to be perfect. And if it's not, I give <laughs> up. <laughs> I can't yeah. just put a bunch of words down on a page and be like, this is amazing. I'm like, 
this is crap. Why am I doing this? Let's move on to something productive. Uh, You're right. I mean, some people can do that. For me, it's uh, my first drafts are basically just horrific brain spew. This is dribble. Yeah, they're <laughs> so bad. They're so bad. But I mean, once you get the first draft done, then you can sort of work on fixing and editing and rewriting. That's kind of my process. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, all right. So, uh, so recently you, uh, you released the beginning of a new series, uh, called city of sacrifice. Uh, the book's called smoke and stone. Um, so I had a chance obviously to read that super early on, uh, along with Petros or at book nest. And that's actually back when I was at book nest, I believe. Um, and then you sent me another copy and had me read it. And then I think it got edited and you had me read it again. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I've at least read it three times, maybe four times. Uh, but still, every time it got even better. Uh, and it's a fantastic book um, for anybody that hasn't read it yet. Um, and obviously, Felix Ortiz did a fantastic job on that cover. Uh, he is he is, he is definitely an up-and-coming fantastic oh, yeah, for sure. artist. He is, uh, he is crazy talented. Uh, it was, he was, he was really good to work with too. Like awesome dude. I can imagine. Yeah. He, he and, uh, you know, Richard Anderson or, you know, who actually did the beyond redemption, uh, cover kind of, kind of always come to mind when it comes to at least, you know, grim dark fantasy covers. Um, I mean, obviously you've got, you know, a couple of the guys out there that are, you know, Simonetti and Giovanni who are phenomenal, do a lot of epic fantasy covers, but, um, so yeah, so tell me, tell me a little bit or tell the audience a little bit about, uh, about smoke and stone and, uh, Kind of uh, give us a, you know, I guess a short summary of, of what it's about. Uh, okay, so it's sort of um I, I don't want to go into a lot of detail because the whole point of stories and or at least the way I write is um is discovery. That's yeah. like I want I want the reader to as much as possible go into a book knowing like almost nothing, and you know I think that act of discovery is a huge part of of good fantasy. Hopefully. Yeah, um, but so basically it's a post-apocalyptic fantasy. Um, the gods have been at war. Uh, the world is largely dead. It's, it's, it's a huge desert world with one last city. Um, and that is all of the remnants of humanity huddled in that one city um, with this sort of like weird patchwork pantheon of different gods uh you know ruling over them um the magic system uh is something that's been sort of like playing around in the back of my mind for for a long time for a pile of years um way back in high school i think i, re- I read um carlos castaneda uh a separate reality the teachings of don juan um they're sort of um somewhere between like sociological sociological studies and fiction books um so there's a lot of fic, uh, a lot of philosophy ideas in there uh, but also the the writer um may or may not have spent a bunch of time in mexico um uh, learning sorcery from um you know a mexican uh, sorcerer, a witch, uh, Nagual, Nahual, whatever you want to call it. Um, but but the books are, are they're um, they're really structured and they go into a lot of detail on 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 basically what is like ancient Aztec sorcery. Um, and so I took a lot of that and, and sort of like bent it to my purpose. 
um, twisted things where I needed it. Um, and so in the end, what you have is this um, uh, sorcery based on uh, the abuse of narcotics. Yeah, uh, that that's pretty well put, actually. I mean, obviously, there's a ton of detail that you left out, which everybody oh, needs yeah. to figure out for themselves. But um, yeah, it's it's a fantastic novel. I mean, I mean, nothing's obviously going to top Beyond Redemption for me, but this this is a great start to a new series. Um, and I know you're writing book two currently, correct? Yep, yep. Uh, today I crossed what sixty thousand words or so, so it's about half finished. Okay, fantastic. So I'll I'll be looking to uh, to Alpha and Beta read that one <laughs> pretty soon. Hopefully, hopefully just one and done though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll play, but probably not. <laughs> Um, and other than that, so uh, you've got uh, you've got another you got a short story collection called A Collection of Obsessions, which you uh, released a couple months ago uh, with a uh, wonderful book cover done by your your talented daughter. Yeah, yeah, that was it's a basically literally a collection of my obsessions. Um, it's stories I've written over the last two two and a half decades. Um, so it, it's I mean the idea was to do something where. You know, I, no one buys short story collections. So I figured the only people who are going to buy it are actually like friends and fans, right? Who are going to be kind of curious about my process and about what I, how I used to write, like in the the early days. Um, and so I, I included stories that, frankly, I, I probably shouldn't have included. Uh, but I think they're cool, and you can kind of see the, you know, uh, the birth of some of those ideas that made it into later books. Uh, so I, I really like it. I, it was a, you know, sort of like a, a pet project. Yeah. A labor of love, if you will. <laughs> All right. So, and, uh, and lastly, I know, uh, you, I don't know if you just released it or you're about to release it, the uh, millennial manifesto. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Uh, but can you give me just a short little idea of what it's about? Okay. Uh, so the idea from this one, this one's a kind of a weird one for me. It's a, stepping out of my comfort zone. It's, so it's not fantasy. It's not science fiction. It's real world uh, fiction might be a thriller. I don't know. Uh, but the idea is a group of millennials um, are tired of corporate abuses, tired of businesses uh, destroying the environment, and they adopt terrorist tactics to force change on corporate America. And then things go really well for everybody. Yeah, it's like all it's all roses, right? Oh yeah, it's always <laughs> always roses in a Fletcher novel. Yeah, exactly. It's it's always rainbows and happy thoughts, and <laughs> there's never any blood spilled ever. Uh, I don't know why people think you're a grim dark author. Um, <laughs> <No way. laughs> all right, so uh, so as you and most people listening know, uh, Joe Abercrombie is known as Lord Grimdark. So. Mark Lawrence has had this open blog post since August of 2017 called Grimdark or Nailing It Down. Did you know, um, which I'm sure you do because you've probably been on his blog multiple times, did you know Beyond Redemption has held that number one spot for what seems like eternity, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it has. I, I find that uh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, I, like, I'm not even sure how I feel about it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't set out to write a Grimdark novel. I'd, I'd never heard the term before. Like uh, my agent at the time, uh, she said, oh, the Grimdark crowd are going to love this. <laughs> I literally was like, the fuck is Grimdark? <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel like that term was around until like a few years ago. And it probably started with your book. 
Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was around, you know, I'm sure somebody was like, man, Game of Thrones is really grim and dark. We should put those words together. <laughs> well, apparently, it, I mean, uh, I think Warhammer, Warhammer 40,000, uh, they are the sort of a, you know, the birth of the term, but okay. it's, it's sort of grown after that, right? I gotcha. Okay. See, I've, I haven't read a lot of Warhammer. So, and you've actually got a short story coming up in an anthology, right? Uh, yeah. So I, I wrote um three, I wrote three stories for uh, the Black Library for the Warhammer folks. Um, so one of them they've released on their site, so you can just uh, you can purchase it directly through them. One of them's in an anthology, which comes out someday. Uh, and the other one, I don't know what's happening with that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so back to uh, back to Grimdark. So. Uh, so like I was saying, so Beyond Redemption sitting at number one. So the Blade itself, which is the which is the like the top Joe Abercrombie book that's on that list, is currently at number seven, which is followed by The Court of Broken Knives by Anna Smith Spark, who is known as the Queen of Grimdark. Uh, and Court of Broken Bones is also one of my all-time favorite reads. I mean, it's oh, it is yeah. yeah I that mean, it is, is like so a good. completely different experience than you've ever had before. The way that Anna writes. And yeah. I mean, it's it's like hard hitting every single sentence. Seriously, in my opinion, she actually she absolutely her series just smokes beyond redemption for darkness. And you ah yeah, uh, it it truly it truly does. I mean, it is People it is the darkest. Right. <laughs> um. So so with that being said, uh, don't you think you should have your own grim dark moniker? <laughs> <laughs> ah, you know I. That's see, that's the kind of thing, you know. People kind of the, the it gets, let's call it, given to you, bestowed upon you. Um, honestly, I never think about that. I, I would, I don't think I would ever use it. Um, I see. I, I guess I, I don't think of myself as a grimdark writer, which I know, like everyone's like, the fuck. <laughs> yeah, especially me. I'm like, I'm like, you're freaking lying right now. <laughs> Are your books grim and dark? Okay, yeah, maybe yeah. a little. <laughs> you know, every single one of them. Um, so, but I was thinking, I actually have three choices. If you choose to use one, or if somebody chooses to give it to you, which I might actually <laughs> give you one. So I've got Prince Grimdark, mm-hmm. uh, the Bonnie Prince of Grimdark. I like that one. That's probably my favorite. Or the Grimdark Jester. The Grimdark Jester. Because mm. you are funny, and you also write Grimdark. Yeah, I mean, of the three of those, I would uh, I lean more towards the sort of uh, the Dark Jester of Grimdark. Okay. All right. Well, we'll 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 see if that we'll see if that sticks. It, it probably won't, but we'll see if it does. Probably, probably not. <laughs> All right. So, aside from your novels, is there anything that you're currently reading since you don't watch television? Uh, that you think needs more attention, or is there anything that the masses have read that you have also enjoyed? Uh, okay, so my recent uh, reads, and I, I I don't read a lot. I really don't have a ton of free time. Um, so we mentioned Anna Smith Spark. If you haven't read her trilogy, um, uh, Empires of Dust. Basically, that's a must-have if you like dark fantasy. Um, uh, Gareth Ryder Hanrahan's uh, the the Gutter Prayer. 
Oh, yeah. Holy fuck, what's that good? Oh, that yeah. was so good. Yeah, Shadow Saint in Shadow Saint comes out like just a couple of months. Yeah. 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 That that yeah. was a phenomenal one I read earlier this year. Yeah. After that, uh, there was uh, Tchaikovsky's uh, Children of Time, uh, science fiction. Fucking amazing. That yep. was so good. It'll blow your mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I just read uh, Alicia Wanstall Burke's uh, Blood of Heirs, which is the first book in her series. And the other one, oh, I'm gapping out. Uh, oh, Legacy of Goats. <laughs> uh, legacy of ghosts um is uh, like i'm not sure when that's dropping i don't think it's quite out yet but damn soon yeah i'm not sure yeah i've got I think, the arc lined up i just i haven't read it yet yeah i think it's pretty soon i know uh i know kj on my blog read blood of airs like super quick um but i don't know if he's gotten to the sequel just yet but he loved he loved the first book yeah it's um, a good book. and getting back to tchaikovsky yeah i actually read uh children of time earlier this year too and uh I never thought there would be a moment in time where I actually cared about spiders. <laughs> <laughs> because when you always think about it, you, you, you see a giant spider in your house and then you lose it. And you automatically think burn your house down. But you know, when you think about his world that he's created with these spiders, you're like, man, that kind of freaking sucks for them. Uh, <laughs> and I never I mean, thought yeah, I would them in gas and set them on fire, but I feel bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I still want them to die, but like, I want them to die like quickly. <laughs> oh man. Well, awesome. Well, um, well, Mike, I, I appreciate you coming on. I uh, appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your busy day and out of your 24 seven writing uh, and all of the mass amounts of books that you have uh, ready to go uh, for all of us readers out there. Uh, but I just want to say thanks for, for all you do for the writing community, for, uh, us bloggers, uh, as far as, you know, sending us advanced reading copies. I mean, we, we love your work. Uh, I know there's a lot of us in the, uh, in the book community that, uh, try to try to push you as much as possible, uh, cause we love your writing. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope, uh, we can do this again. Uh, once you, uh, have a couple more books out, we can talk about those and, uh, if there's anything else you want to add, feel free. Uh, no, Hey, thank you for having me. And, uh, I really do appreciate all your efforts and, this is just fun. I love doing this. Fantastic, man. Well, uh, well, again, this is uh, Michael R. Fletcher. You can find him on Twitter at FletcherMR. You can find him on Instagram at Fletcher underscore Michael underscore R. And you can also find him on Facebook at Michael R. Fletcher. Fletcher, thanks again. Let's do this again soon. Uh, and let's uh, continue to keep in touch. Uh, definitely. Thank you, man. Thanks, man. Thank you guys for tuning in to episode one of Authors on a Podcast Talking Books. I hope you guys enjoyed my chat with Michael Fletcher. Stay tuned next week for an extra special episode where I'm going to an event called Noir at the Bar, which actually takes place this Saturday, the 23rd in Hoover. Uh, there will be tons of authors there giving readings of their books, including Robert McCammon, Hank Early, Jeff Strand, Nathan Ballingrud, and many, many more. It's an event I've been waiting for for what seems like forever. Uh, it's going to be amazing, and I'm super excited to share everything with you guys. Uh, also in December, I'll be chatting with a couple more authors, including Agnes Watson. We talk about his fantasy series, West of West, uh, which book three in that trilogy actually releases in December, so we'll talk about it. Upcoming novels, and maybe even some past works. I'll also be talking to Josh Mallerman, author of Bird Box and many other novels, but I'm sure many of you guys have seen the Netflix uh, movie, which was absolutely phenomenal, even though, as we always say, the book was much better. Uh, <laughs> that can be debatable. 
Um, but we'll also talk about some of his other novels, um, especially Inspection, which actually just dropped this year uh, from Del Rey. Uh, I absolutely loved it, and I'm excited to talk to him about it. So uh, thanks again, you guys, and look forward to the next episode dropping next week.